everybody, to the Brain Ladle Trivia Podcast. My name is Davo. I'm your host on this epic journey of minutia discovery and trivia nugget exploration spelunking. I kind of lost it at the end there. I was about to say, there's a lot of <laughs> words right there. Yeah, I, 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 I totally lost it there. My bad. Um, with me today is Neil. Hey. And Kells. Buenas noches. I have a bit of a sad story, guys. Oh, no. Oh. The day after the fish episode was uploaded, and thank you, everybody, for listening to our fish episode. It was a good one. I got horrendous food poisoning. Now, I don't know if it's coincidence, because a lot of people, you know, fish doesn't necessarily agree with them. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but I'm thinking the psychic waves from that episode affected my tum-tum. Oh no! Oh, man, were you eating fish? Yeah, <laughs> I did eat fish the day before. I had had some lovely sashimi, which, as Kells can tell us, is like sushi but with no rice. It has no rice. Hey, yeah, you don't get ten points for that. Dang it! Yeah, and uh, I had a uh, horrific day the next day. And I haven't been feeling quite up to snuff since. That's why my intro was a little awkward. You know, I'm just, maybe I need a little Pedialyte, some some kind of electrolyte root infusion. Just, I'm just not feeling 100%. But I'm a team player. And I am ready to get this done. I am ready to challenge because Neil's been on a bit of a winning streak. <laughs> and I want in on that action. I guarantee you I'm not going to win today. How can you possibly guarantee that? Because I'm not playing. I have a set of questions that I'm going to be asking you guys. So, you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am excited that Neil's reading the questions today. His questions are usually thick and chunky and got to sink your teeth in there a little bit to get those answers. So, Neil, what have you got? Well, the day after... The day before this episode comes out is uh, Labor Day. And so I thought I would do a set of questions about jobs and Labor Day and just working in general. So you're going to make us work, 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 work? Something like that. I'm going to make your brains work a little bit. You're going to have to deep down. with. I hope you brought your extra long handles today on your ladles. I did. I'm ready. Oh, Before we begin, Dave, I'll never do that again. Oh, I understood. Yeah, you you, you thought I thought I wouldn't notice, but I know. I was hoping you would just let that one lie. <laughs> I, I couldn't. <laughs> so, I feel like I'm missing an inside joke. He he went Rihanna on us and thought we wouldn't notice, but I got you, uh, Neil. I got you. It's okay. all right. Look, Labor Day. Labor Day. So the f- that's Labor Day is the first category in our jobs episode. Okay. The exact origins of Labor Day are unknown exactly, but one good candidate is, is a guy named Peter McGuire. He was the vice president of what is now the largest union in the U.S. This union split in the 30s. They had some kind of internal schism, but they recombined in the 1950s. What is the common six-letter abbreviation 
for the union that he was a part of. I'm locked in. You said six letters? Yeah. The, the letters all stand for something, but it's commonly referred to by these six letters. I have no idea. I'm blanking on everything. I'm going to be really mad at myself when I had an answer, but... I'm pretty sure you heard about it in high school history. I don't know, man. You're giving my high school a lot of credit. <laughs> but did you get a credit for history? I got a few, I think. So then you should know it. Nah, not necessarily. No, <laughs> 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 oh, man. I'm... If you start the game off with a punt. I won't punt. I'll just come up with something. But, uh... Our listeners will never let you forget it. I have no idea, but I, I wrote something down. Okay. Steve? Um, I locked in with the AFL-CIO. Okay. Kels? I wrote down the UPDOGS. The correct answer is the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, or the AFL-CIO. Woo! I've never heard of that. Yeah. As of 2014, their their membership is something in the 13 million range. Well, you know, we're we're broadcasting from beautiful Northwest Arkansas, and it's fairly safe to say that Arkansas is not a very unionized place. That's probably true. Question two: Labor Day became a federal holiday in 1894. Which president signed it into law? I'm gonna go with this answer. I'm locked in. I feel like I'm missing the obvious, but I'm locked in too. I, I got a feeling on who it is. Okay. What's your feeling, Kels? Well, my feeling was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, but I wrote down uh, McKinley. Okay. Dave So My feeling was Grover Cleveland, and then my feeling was McKinley. But I ultimately rested on James Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you covered the, the gamut there. Yeah. <laughs> you went back away for Garfield. Yeah. The correct answer, president in 1894, was Grover Cleveland. Uh, first feeling was correct. Dang it. <clears throat> I didn't know when McKinley's term started. I thought, when was Garfield? Wasn't he in the 18th? Right, right before, right before McKinley. That's what yeah. I thought. His second term was right before McKinley. Yeah, um, McKinley uh, was 97 when he went into office. 97. I remember 97. That was a good year. Oh, <laughs> So, question three in Labor Day. Labor Day. Cleveland was accused of pushing for the holiday because of violent nationwide strike. For five points, what industry did the strike center on? And for a full 10 points, what company was the primary target of the strike? The strike had uh, major implications for labor relations in the country. And some people thought that Cleveland was pushing for the holiday to kind of... Uh, placate the strikers I'm locked in 
I have two ideas dancing around right now. I like that. Okay. Javo? I believe it was the American steel industry. Because okay. if I remember correctly, this was this was the event, the big when the Pinkertons broke the strike by killing people that completely changed Andrew Carnegie's life and how he viewed his wealth. So I think there I think there were it was steel. And the company, I believe, was called the, the American Steel Company. Okay. Kels? I also went with steel, but I wasn't sure of the name. So I went back to Godfather 2 and just wrote down U.S. Steel. So, Dave, there was a Carnegie, or Carnegie Steel Company strike in 92. Mm. But that was not, and, and it did culminate in uh, some deaths. This one specifically was the Pullman strike uh, for the railroad industry. Mm. The steel strike, I think, was fairly local. Um, but I don't know how much you guys know about Pullman. Oh, well, the correct answer is railroads, and the, the company was the Pullman Palace Car Company. But Pullman had this factory town that he built south of Chicago where he basically provided all the services to the workers. He wanted it to be kind of a model town. But in uh, in 94, he cut wages by 25%, but he didn't cut any of the prices in the town, including rents. So his people went on strike because he refused to, to deal with them. Um, that eventually led to 125,000 uh, railroad employees across the country on 29 railways that quit their jobs. Uh, wow. And eventually 6,000 troops, uh, military, uh, 3,000 police, 5,000 marshals were dispatched to Chicago where the strikers were looting, committing arson and vandalism. Eventually at least 30 strikers were killed and many more were wounded. Hmm. Wow. So, See, I hadn't heard of that. No points on that one. Yeah, no, it was new to me. Because the, the Carnegie one got better press, I guess. Not better press, but more press. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. More coverage. It's the one I... I don't know. Hmm. That's very interesting. But the, but because of the scope of the, of the, the Pullman strike and the fact that the railroads were basically shut down all the way across the country... Yeah. Um, there was food rotting in warehouses. There, nothing could get anywhere, and it was it was a pretty big deal for a couple of months. You know who would have gotten that, Kels? Oh well, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Our good friend Andy is something of a, a railroad historian. So I apologize when you listen to this, Andy. Yeah, he was probably yelling at yelling at his. Uh, his car again. Yeah, he will be yelling at us when this goes live. <laughs> yeah, we 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 shouldn't ignore you like we like we always did, Andy. That's that's my that's my fault. Yeah, he probably bad. tried to start up conversations about the Pullman strike many times, and you guys were just like, eh. Oh yeah, care. we wrote him off. I... Yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> and David would be like, "Well, the Carnegie strike was a lot more important." <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Were you there? 
pushing mm -hmm. for Labor Day. There was debate about whether Labor Day in the U.S. should be in September or on the first day of another month, which is now known as International Workers' Day. What day is International Workers' Day? I'm locked in. Also locked in. Kels? I had no idea. I just wrote down November 1st. Okay. Davo? I have no idea, but I wrote down August. Okay. The correct answer is May Day, May 1st. Oh. Majority of countries, a majority of countries across the world recognize workers on May Day. So that's May 1st is pretty much Labor Day in most of the world, except for U.S. and some other places. We like to do things our own way. MAGA. Jesus. <laughs> well, Sorry about that. we're not making trivia great again with this episode so far. Oh, That's uh, Kells is sporting a goose egg, and I, thanks to the work of the AFL CIO, <laughs> have 10. <laughs> I'm convinced you made that up. But it's all, it's all. <laughs> There's no collusion here. <laughs> Okay, well, how about category two, movies? We Kel love movies. Me. Yes, we do. You're the movie guy, right, Kels? Uh, sometimes. You might have <laughs> even seen some of these. Ooh, I like those. Okay, question one in movies. Frank and Lillian Gilbreth were early pioneers in time and motion studies designed to make workers more efficient and less fatigued. They were the subjects of a 1950 film which depicts their large family's daily life and the efficiencies Frank imposed on them. What is the name of the movie? And the 2003 remake has almost nothing to do with the original. I am going to use my one and only punt. Uh, uh, I don't want to do the same. Do you want to hit? Sure. I'll take one. Since you guys are both since you guys are both struggling, the 2003 remake that has almost nothing to do with the original starred Steve Martin. And the Three Amigos was a remake. <laughs> oh, um, ooh, I think I know what it is. I'm, I'm locked in. I probably got it wrong, but I'm, I'm locked in. Okay, what do you got? Neil, you're in charge here. I mean, so you <laughs> my God, I just tried to usurp your, thro your throne. <laughs> I haven't heard you. Did you? Are you still punting after oh, the I'm hint? Totally punting. Even with the hint. Okay. Okay. So, Kels, what do you have? Okay. Um, was cheaper about a dozen a remake? I mean, that's what I wrote down. But now I'm just hoping. Yes, it, it was a remake of the correct answer to this question. I'm what? on the board. I'm on the board. What? Uh, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. It was a great movie. With um, it had uh, one of my favorite actresses in it, Myrna Loy. I loved her. Yeah, in, I like uh, Myrna Loy. The the, uh, the Thin Man series. Here's the. Oh, I love the Thin the, Man. Yeah, it's good stuff. And Clifton Webb was the father, and a bunch of other people. I don't know. But it was kind of a kind of a kind of a funny. Campy movie. Hmm. I never would have gotten cheap so, by the dozen. Never in a million years. Was Mary Steenburgen in the remake? Who? Mary Steenburgen. Mm. As the mom? Or is that uh, 
Bonnie Bonnie Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, Bonnie so Hunt. Did. Yeah. I feel like they did like forty movies together. Gosh. Was she in so, I'm sorry. That yeah, was she totally was. right. She was in <laughs> okay. So they're a pretty interesting couple. They kind of they pioneered um, time and motion studies, and uh, you know, to try to make things better for workers who you know were sitting on um, sitting on production lines and that sort of thing. Yeah. He he died fairly early. He died in 1924 at age 55. But she continued working. She was one of the first women in the country to earn a PhD. She got 23 honorary degrees from different universities Incredible. and had a postage stamp in 1984 Man. with her image on it. She was a psychologist. She was a psychiatrist or a psychologist and, and uh, kind of focused on that aspect of, of labor. Well, that's legitimately cool. Very. Okay, question two in movies. This is going to be easier, I hope, because <laughs> I really want to see Kells on the board. Oh, you are on the board. I am on the board. Great, on the board. Awesome. Then I want to keep. I want you to keep up your your streak. Thanks, man. Question two: In what black and white movie did a worker say these immortal words? I'm editing it slightly. This job would be great if it weren't if it wasn't for the effing customers. Is that a black and white movie? It was a black and white movie. Oh, holy crap. I'm locked yeah, in. I got it. I'm locked in. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that one might click all of a sudden. Okay, uh, Kels? I went with Clerks. Devo? Clerks. It was Clerks. Um, This is a bit of a confession, but I've never seen Clerks. What? It's kind of it. dated now, but it, it is a good movie. Yeah, I figured. It's just no, the opportunity has never presented itself to watch. Clark. I still think it's uh, Kevin Smith's best movie. Really? Yes. It kind of has a it kind of has the feel of a student movie, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Man, have you seen Kevin Smith lately? He's lost a ton of weight. Yeah, he almost He's, well, he had to after that massive heart attack. Yeah, he have it on stage. Yeah. Yeah. He has lost a ton. He looks kind of cadaverous, to be honest. When you're so used to seeing someone be so big, when they get mm -hmm. really small, they look kind of, well, cadaverous, like I said. Good word. <laughs> Stick into that one. <laughs> Good word, Davo. Thanks. <laughs> Question three, movies. In the movie Office Space, Kels, have you seen Office Space? Confession time. Um, oh, no. I've seen half of it. Okay. You yeah. might have a chance then. Hopefully. In the movie Office Space, what is the name of the flare-driven restaurant that Jennifer Aniston works at? Oh, God. I've seen that movie oh. probably 30 times. And I get... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. Well, what, was the, what was the question again exactly? In the movie Office Space, uh -huh. what is the name of the flare-driven restaurant that Jennifer Aniston works at? It's mentioned several times by name. Man, that would probably ring louder in my head if I like actually finished the movie. <sighs> <laughs> Do you remember the, the flare scene? No. <laughs> it's got 12 pieces of flare, a great smile. 
<laughs> He's got how, oh, how many did he have? 42 pieces of flair. That'd be a great smile. T- tweet us with the number of pieces of flair and we'll send you a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I locked in. Okay. Devo? Oh, I'm locked in too. Yeah. I was just re- reliving that movie. It's so funny. I know. I was I was asking for your answer. Oh, you want my answer? Um, yeah, you know how the show goes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm torn. I believe it's tchotchkes, but it could also be flingers. But I'm blocking with tchotchkes. <laughs> Those are so different. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a spelling difference. Like It's tchotchkes, but I thought it might be schlotchkes. I, I don't know. No, I... Flingers. <laughs> did, uh, Kels, what did you get? I wrote down jumping jacks. Okay. It is tchotchkes. Yay. Congratulations. Dave. She got a job. Uh, she, when she quit tchotchkes, she got a job at flingers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it feels good to be a gangster. (laughs) Well, let's go back a little bit for question four. The opening scenes of the movie Modern Times, released in 1936, shows what silent film actor struggling to keep up with the demands of a fast-paced factory assembly line? Locked in. Locked in. Kells, what do you got? I wrote down Charlie Chaplin. Dave, I wrote down Buster Keaton. Correct answer is Charlie Chaplin. Nice. I watched the the first part of that movie on YouTube, and it is it was pretty funny. Really? Yeah. He was supposed to he was supposed to actually speak. Uh, the character was actually he was playing his little tramp character. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. supposed to speak originally, but um, he decided that he didn't want his character, the little tramp, to ever be heard because he thought that would kind of ruin the mystique or or something of the character although you do hear his voice at some point because i believe he sings at some point but um he doesn't speak okay question after category two what are the scores looking like now Devo? we're all knotted up at 30 all right category three is my favorite category i tried to make it a little bit easier for you this time well, oh, thanks for the softball. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the first question, maybe. Okay, category is science. Science. Okay. <laughs> question one. In physics, work is defined as a displacement due to an application of a force. Or to put it another way, work transfers energy, either from one object to another or one form to another. The SI unit of work is defined as the work of one newton over one meter. What is that unit called? Okay, I'm locked in. No, I'm totally wrong, but we're going to go with it. (laughs) I'm locked in. Okay, Devo? Horsepower. Kells? One with the jewel. Correct answer is the jewel. (sighs) Question two. Albert Einstein worked at what job in two? <laughs> I put in two thousand five. That right <laughs> year. Wow. Oh. Uh, hang on a second. I got cramps. <laughs> I don't know. 
that. <laughs> I was already starting to cramp, I think, and then I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> cramp over back? Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. I, oh, I got me right I, here. I meant to write 1905. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, Albert Einstein worked at what job in 1905, the year he published four groundbreaking papers, including one introducing special relativity? Bonus for two points. What city did he live in at the time? I want you all to remember that I am recovering from food poisoning, so I may not be at my best, but I have locked in with a, a job and a place, and they aren't nonsense. <laughs> well, it remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I have no idea. But I am locked in also. Okay, Kels? Uh, since I had no idea, I went with, um, he was a janitor. Okay. And he was living in Hamburg. All right. Devo? I seem to remember him being something like a patent clerk or a clerk, but I also feel like he was a bookkeeper. So I wrote down bookkeeper. And I said he was in Salzburg, because I like the okay. sound of that. That is, it's a lovely town too. I wish you had gone with your first answer, Davo. He worked at the patent office. Mm. He was living in Switzerland at the time, which put him in the city of Bern. You know, when I lived in North Carolina, I lived 16 miles from New Bern. Oh, that's not, that's yeah. not the same place. Was, did Albert Einstein live there? No. Not at all. Uh, Billy Einstein lived there. <laughs> Seems like a nice fella. <laughs> but New Bern is where Pepsi Cola was invented. Really? Yeah. That's as close as I got to the right answer. <laughs> I might as well have just said Pepsi. <laughs> In Old Bern, that's where special relativity was invented. Well, you know, that's almost as important as Pepsi. Yeah, top that new burn. Yeah. <laughs> well, general relativity was, was invented there, too, I think. <laughs> so, all the relativities. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Question three. What was the general job title of the women who worked at NASA documented in the book and movie Hidden Figures? You said the job titles? Yeah, not the general job title. Like, what were they referred to as? They weren't clerks. They weren't doctors. But what were they? It was, it was a fairly, fairly common term for people that did that kind of work in that, in that time frame. This may be the day of second-guessing myself into oblivion, but I have written something down. I am locked in. You seen that movie, Davo? I have not. Nor have I. You read I the book? No. I don't read books. <laughs> oh my god, you kidding. guys have to watch that movie. It is a great movie. What's it called again? Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures, yes. Um, I know that Katherine Johnson or Kathleen, is it Katherine or Kathleen? It's, it's Katherine. Katherine. Yeah. yeah. yeah Catherine she Johnson. just turned 100 this week. 
Really? Yeah, she's wow. still alive and kicking. I also have an answer, Sir Neil. Okay, Dave. Well, I wrote first thing I wrote down was secretary, but then I thought, no, nah, that's not right. So then I wrote down number cruncher. For some mm-hmm. reason, I feel like that they would be called number crunchers. Okay, that's conceivable. Kels, I wrote down mathematical analyst. Nope. They were referred to as computers. What? Because they oh, computed. Oh, they computed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty common. Uh, there were a bunch of women who worked uh, doing ballistics in uh, World War II and also in the um, Manhattan Project, I think, and some other places where they basically sat in a room and did all the, the, the math so that the male scientists could go do their thinking stuff. And so they did all the computations. Yep. Oh, but that that so, okay. I'm kind of glad I got that wrong because I never would have thought of that, and that is so cool. It, it really is. Question four in science: Gregor Mendel founded the science of genetics. What was his day job? And I use day job colloquially. I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. Kels? I might have him confused with someone else, but I want to say that he was a monk. David? I said he was a physician. He was a monk. He was, as a child, he was fascinated with science. And that's all he wanted to do. But, you know, he he didn't want to have to go get a job where he worked you know, however many hours he was going to have to work at the time doing manual labor. So someone said, well, you should go become a monk and then you'll have all day to sit around and think about stuff and do your experiments. So he became a monk so that he could pursue his science. Wow. I did not know that. That's really cool, too. <laughs> I'm just laying some nuggets down on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds really terrible. <laughs> McDonald's has got nothing on you, Neil. <laughs> what are we looking like after round, th- round three, Dave? Well, uh, Dave was looking exactly the same, but Kells has pulled away a bit with 50, so the scores are Kells 50, Dave 30. Okay. So there's a lot of jobs in the world, and not all of them are exactly legal. Mm. So... Here's a category about jobs in the mafia. Ooh. Oh man. I'm excited. So the head of the head of the mob is called the boss or the godfather or the kingpin or the don, probably other names as well. Who was the dapper don, aka the Teflon Don? For a bonus of two points, the Dapper Don was part of the inspiration for Joe Zaza in The Godfather 3. Who played Joey Zaza? Uh, I'm going to be answering this question under protest because Kells <laughs> oh. specifically told me not to watch The Godfather 3. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. I'm so sorry. I know it come back to bite you like this, it's man. It's really biting me right now. <laughs> I'm locked in. Court because uh, bonus <laughs> points are just. Uh. 
Um, I'm still working. I mean, on it's the only bonus. it's only the bonus is only two points. So the big question is who was the Dapper Don, aka the Teflon Don? Who's a real guy? Well, I've got that written down, but I want to be okay. working on the bonus right now. Here's here's a hint that I bet Kells won't begrudge. He was Italian. <laughs> you know what, Neil? <laughs> I don't need your stinking hints. Uh, okay, this is wrong. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm locked in. I'm sorry. I'm locked in. Okay, what do you got, Davo? Well, the Teflon Don, I believe, is John Gotti. Okay. And Joey Zaza was played by Joe Montagna. Kels? John Gotti and yeah. Joe Montagna. 12 points for both of you. Really? I'm so, I'm so proud of you, man. I just <laughs> I'm totally really proud of you. Joe Montagna. Holy crap. <laughs> I tried to picture the slicked back hair. <laughs> yeah, I got I, I got that territory with my talents. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Woo! Question two in the mafia. In Italian American mobs, what role does the consigliere play? Bonus two points. What was the name of Vito Corleone's consigliere? Which one? The first one. Or the, the the one at the beginning of the Godfather of the movie. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm locked in. I would take either the uh the character name or the uh actor. I'm locked in as well. Okay, Kells. I believe a consigliere is a counselor or advisor. Okay. And Don Vito's consigliere was Tom Hagen, played by Academy Award winner Robert Duvall. Okay. Davo? I wrote down as advisor, and I couldn't remember Hagen. I just remembered Irish guy. (laughs) But I I did write down Robert Duvall. Okay. 12 for both of you that time, too. Pop pop got Jinko. Look what I got. (laughs) I need you to get one or two of these wrong, Kells, because I'm feeling good. Man, if you, I mean, how come we both can't come up at the same time? We both whiffed on the category. We did totally whiff on the category. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Competitive spirit. You know how Davo is when he's behind. Yeah. <laughs> can't he, just, he, can't, he can't handle it. <laughs> Question three in the mafia. In the mob, a soldier is also known by what alliter- alliterative term? I'm locked in. I'm actually blanking on this one. I don't want you your got charity. Your, you got your wish, Davo. I don't want um, your, your your pity points. It's not pity points. Like I'm I'm just blanking. Give me a sec. You know, there's, there's only been a few times in this show when a when one of us has been shook by getting something wrong. <laughs> if you get this wrong, <laughs> you're gonna be shook. Nah, I don't know about that. I'll be mad, of course. But, but I see Willie Chichi in front of the the Senate subcommittee, but that's not alliterative, though. That's the only thing I can think of. Is it, it can't be a button man. 
could be a button boy if that was a thing. But I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, this is my button boy. <laughs> Johnny no thumbs. Johnny no thumbs. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm locked in. Okay, Dave. Uh, a made man. Kels? I finally wrote down made man. The correct answer is a made man. You're not shook. You would have been shook, though, right? <laughs> I would have been highly upset. It would have took me out of question four. I know that. Yeah. Question four in the mafia. Sometimes the mafia hires uh, hires people to do some of their wet work. In what 2012 movie did Michael Shannon play Richard Kuklinski, a real-life mafia hitman? I don't remember the name of the movie, but I know that. I, 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 I like I know. that movie. It's a good movie. Really? I, mm-hmm. I like Michael Shannon. but um, He did a great job in it. I'm locked in with um with his nickname. That's all I got right now. Okay, Kels. Uh Dave, are you already locked in? Yes, I'm locked in, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh my bad. Uh I wrote down Iceman. Dave? I wrote down Iceman. Correct answer is the Iceman. Oh! <laughs> that was a very good movie. Both, you should really give it a watch. You swept that round, didn't you? We did. So what are our scores now? Kells has 94, and I have 74. All right. Still anybody's game, right? Yeah. Category five. Thanks to Finn for suggesting this one. Yeah. Uh, this is a category about women who had jobs, famous women who had jobs. Lots of women have jobs, and these are some <laughs> famous ones. <laughs> nice recovery, Neil. <laughs> okay, question one. Who is widely considered to be the first computer programmer, having described an algorithm for Charles Babbage's analytical engine in the 1830s? For two bonus points, who was her famous father? You know what happens when you have a second punt? <laughs> uh, <this is laughs> remind, the, remind the listeners. Well, the first punt, you know, that happens. The second punt, you are forced to hang your head in shame. Ooh. And that is what I shall be doing with this question. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I have no idea. You know, it seems like even when I don't do science categories, <laughs> I do a lot of science questions. Uh, you love that science. Ah, oh, man. I, I hate to do this right now, but I, I got a punt. I have no idea. Hmm, two two punts. I know. Well, a punt and a, sh- a, punt and a hang. <laughs> There's some hang time on that point. <laughs> well, this uh, this woman's name was Ada Lovelace. She uh, she read a, a a paper that Charles Babbage wrote about his analytical engine, which, if you're not familiar with that, was a just amazing machine that he designed and was never able to build. But he described it, and she read it and was like, oh, wow, you could use this machine to do all these cool things. And so she wrote algorithms for this machine that didn't exist, but her algorithms 
you know, someone has, has, I think, modeled the analytical engine since then and run her programs, and it's it's pretty amazing. She was she was a pretty amazing woman, and her famous father was a gentleman by the name of Lord Byron. Hmm. That's where I think that analytical engine came up. Uh, what Lord Byron's poetry? No, the the connection in my head was Lord Byron. Ah, yeah. I'd heard of the analytical engine before, and it was mentioned. Kind of in some some you know steampunky fantasy stories, and how you know it's the, one of the first computers and yada yada, and Lord Byron is always kind of in that niche. So there's a there's a company I know that's um, it's kind of based around the the microcomputing stuff like the Raspberry Pis and that kind of thing called Ada, oh. and um, that's named after or obviously it's a it's a a company started by women. There's even a programming language named Ada. I think right. uh, I think is mostly used for like AI type projects. Anywho, question two: Mary Curie. You've heard of her? Yes. Okay, yes. just making sure. <laughs> uh, she was pretty amazing. Also, she was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize. The first person to win two Nobel prizes. The only person so far to win Nobel Prizes in two different sciences. She developed mobile x-ray units for use during World War One, and did a whole bunch of other things, including discovering two different elements. For five points each, name the two elements she discovered, one of which was named after her home country. I'm locked in. I am locked in as well. Okay, Kells, what do you have? I'm sorry, I was chewing the banana, but, um... <laughs> well, don't let me stop you. We'll just pause the podcast and wait for you to finish your banana. No, no, no. I wrote down radium and francium. Okay. David? I have immediate regret right now. <laughs> I wrote down plutonium and francium. Ah, uh, David. I know. Well, for those who don't know, Mary Curie... Uh, was from Poland. Oh. And the answer to the question is radium and polonium. polonium. I didn't I know she was from Poland. I was so yeah. sure she was French. It's not even funny. Well, she I mean, she moved to France and did all her work in France, but she was born in, in Poland. And so that's five points for Kells. Yeah. So her, her, her actual name was Marie... Sklodowska Curie. Well, that's a little bit more indicative of <laughs> where, where she's from. Wow. Yeah, so that's, a, that's five for Kels. Question three in women. This self-made billionaire is also an EGOT winner if you substitute a Golden Globe for a Grammy and if you count non-competitive awards. Bonus Name the play they won the Tony for. So this is an EGOT winner, a billionaire. Mm -hmm. But they're they're not exactly an EGOT winner because they haven't won a Grammy, but they did win a Golden Globe, which also starts with a G. They. As then that well, one person. I mean, the category is women, so it's yeah. a woman who. Got it. Could you just start over? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think I make my questions too complicated. Because I don't want to sound kind of, like an idiot. So. Okay. I understand, this self, Neil. 
Thank you. This self-made billionaire is also an EGOT winner if you substitute a Golden Globe for a Grammy and if you count non-competitive awards. Bonus, name the play they won the Tony for. Or she won the Tony for. That makes... I'm not happy, but I'm locked in. Okay, what are you not happy about, Devo? <laughs> oh. Tell me your problems. I'm locked in. You'll, you'll hear in a moment. Um, I'm not confident in the second part, but I feel pretty good about the first one. So what do you have, Dave? Well, I've been second-guessing myself a lot this this, this podcast, this go-round, and I'm, I went with my first instinct, and I said, Oprah Winfrey, because I know she's okay. got all that cash, and I know she's an actress. So the play that I thought she would have won the Tony for was The Color Purple. Okay. Kels? Uh, I have the exact same thing. Oprah Winfrey, color purple. That is the correct answer. So she she won an Oscar. Um, She was nominated for, uh, I think, three Oscars, but the only one she won was a non-competitive one, like a lifetime achievement kind of thing. Like this past year. She won... She won a Tony for the Color Purple Revival. She didn't win the original first time, but it came around the second time. So she's got a as a, a producer credit on that. She won a non-competitive Golden Globe Award, and she has won 18 daytime Emmys and two primetime Emmys. And she's worth somewhere in the realm of 2.8 billion dollars. <laughs> well, good. Good grading. <laughs> How much was that question worth? That was 12 points. 12. 12. I'm locked in. Okay, I've got something. I'm locked in. Okay, Kels? <laughs> Is it She Sells Seashells by the Seashore? Devo? Mary Mary Quite Contrary. Ah, that's a good one, but incorrect. The correct answer is she sells seashells. <laughs> it's she's been said to be the the inspiration for that. It's not definitive, but um, it kind of fits her because she was digging up all these shells and fossils and 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 selling them to support herself. Although she basically died penniless of, when she was forty seven years old. Forty seven, man. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so because she was a woman in that time, she was not able to join any of the scientific organizations like the, the Royal Society. Right. But in 2010, 163 years after she died, the Royal Society added her to the list of 10 British women who have most influenced the history of science. She almost single-handedly uh, found the fossils that describe the Jurassic, the, the marine, marine life in the Jurassic period. Your, your questions are, are phenomenal and so rich with trivia nuggets. It's like a bite of stew every time. <laughs> it's fantastic. I feel like they're kind of long sometimes, but but these are things I'm interested in, so I like to share the knowledge. I'm digging it. What do we got after round five, Devo? Uh, Kelvin pulled away a little bit there. Kels has 111, and I have 86. Okay. So one thing about jobs is they change over time. 
technology changes and leaves some jobs in the dust. So this last category is about obsolete jobs. Question one. In the 1800s, a not very strenuous but still dangerous job was performed by people wandering bogs and ponds collecting what creature used in medicine? I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. Devo? Oh, with leeches. Kells? <laughs> I think I was leaning more on the witchcraft side. I said newts. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is leeches. <laughs> Dave, do you want to hazard a guess as to how they collected them? They, I would imagine that they walked around with their with skin exposed and got bit. That is exactly the case. And for some reason, from what I could tell... They let them stay until they were full. I guess that made them easier to pull off. Oh my goodness! One common off. danger, yeah. One common danger was um, blood loss. It was, it was so it wasn't very strenuous, but it was still dangerous because you could keep people were were having serious problems because of blood loss and infection. Sometimes. Um, Sometimes they would take old, worn-out plow horses and, and cattle mm -hmm. and take those out into the bogs as well to, uh, you know, to give them a few extra legs to get attached to. And, and those, those, leeches, those leeches eventually were declared extinct in England because of basically over-farming. But they have actually made a comeback, luckily for the people of Britain. Yes. <laughs> well, leeches... As a trivia nugget that I have, haha. <laughs> Leeches are still used and they're bred today for microsurgeries. In areas like, say you lost a, an, e an earlobe or an ear, um, the tissues are very fine and delicate to have to stitch. Uh, leeches have been used to staunch the blood flow to allow for the stitching of very delicate uh, tissues because once they're there, they're there. You don't have to have a lot of invasive, you know, tools and swabs and all that stuff. So it's still a viable medical practice. Yes, but the leeches used today are not taken directly out of bogs. By no, they're not from the right. local, <laughs> local holler. They're, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> Question two in obsolete jobs. This one's pretty obscure. A knocker-up was a person, usually elderly, hired to perform what service for people during the Industrial Revolution? The tools of their trade could include a short, heavy stick, a light bamboo pole, or even a pea shooter. By the late 1940s, they were nearly obsolete. You said this was usually an elderly person? Uh, usually, because it wasn't very strenuous, so an older person could do the work. I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. What do you have, Kels? I just, I just wrote down a cherry picker. Devo? I went a different direction. I went with pest control, specifically rats, like scaring rats away out of a place or, you know, shooting at the rats. Interesting. Makes sense. So rat catchers in that time were, were usually very small young children because they could get into the places. They, you would need someone fast and, and small to get the rats. 
for older people with long poles or heavy sticks or pea shooters, they were hired to wake people up because alarm clocks were either non-existent or not very effective. So you would hire a knocker up to make sure you got up in time to go to work. So they'd roll by your place, bang on the window. Or <laughs> yeah, it depends. If, if you were... If you were on the first floor, they would use their short, heavy stick to bang on the door mm-hmm. and make sure you got up. If you were, if your bedroom was on the second floor, they could use a light pole, and sometimes they would use a pea shooter if they, you know, if they couldn't reach your uh, your window with the pole. Imagine that crazy because, call, thirty-five. <laughs> you know, bam, 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 bam. So it's, it's kind of interesting to think about during the Industrial Revolution. That's when people had to start being places at certain times. You had to yeah. be there for your shift to start or for mm-hmm. your business appointment or, or whatever. And uh, But the technology, alarm clocks, hadn't caught up yet. So wow. uh, the reason that they were uh, obsolete by the 1940s is because alarm clocks were cheap and reliable by then and you didn't need anything else. Okay. Question three in obsolete jobs. In The Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye was a member of what profession, which is nearly extinct in the U.S., but it is experiencing a slight revival due to the popularity of the local food movement? The local food what? Movement. People who want to buy their food locally. Mm. I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. Nor have I. I'll put it on right out the clerks. <laughs> that's that's a double bill. <laughs> All right, I locked in with something, and I actually second-guessed myself, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, I guess that's become a tradition in this episode. I know. Mm. That was a filler You're on the roof joke, the wrong by audience, the way. man. Our loyal listeners hope you've seen this, this wonderful show, but I have not. Dude, I have no clue. Yeah. Psst. Hey, Davo. What'd you get for number three? Well, <laughs> the wrong answer, likely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no whispering in class. Trying to cheat off my peep? Sorry, or? sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> okay, Davo, what'd you get? Well, I kind of clued in on the local food thing. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I wrote was greengrocer. It's like, eh, probably not where we're going with. So I actually went with a gardener. Like, you grow your garden and sell your vegetables. Okay, because you think gardeners are nearly extinct in the U.S. (laughs) You know, I missed that part. I left that part out of the (laughs) equation. You know, I don't need that sass, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Kels, what did you get? Well, I wrote down the wrong answer. Uh, th- is that actually what you wrote? Yeah, that's exactly, that's actually uh, what I wrote. Well, if you had written Milkman, you would have written the correct answer. What? Oh, Piff. <laughs> oh, Piff. Really? I was I was really thinking Gardner might be the, might be the one. Milkman makes sense. Doggone it. <laughs> All right. I should mention that this uh, 
this category, Obsolete Jobs, was uh, suggested by my friend Jeff. So uh, thanks to him. And uh, you guys probably don't care for him right now. Well, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, been, no he's been there from the beginning. He's, yeah. he's listened to every episode and gives me honest feedback every time. So. Well, we appreciate that, Jeff, even if your questions are very, very torturous. <laughs> he didn't do the questions. He just suggested the category. Oh, so this is all you? Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. you. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I did, apologize. I did the questions because I didn't want to I didn't want to spoil the questions for him because he, he enjoys listening oh, to the course. show. So. That, that makes sense. Well, sorry for the sass, Jeff. All sass, yeah, my... all sass to you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the <laughs> final question of the regular rounds on obsolete jobs in the twilight zone episode the obsolete man which thankfully not obsolete yet job was burgess meredith on trial for as a citizen of a futuristic totalitarian state so in the episode it was considered an obsolete job but thankfully it is not yet i'm a big twilight zone fan really like twilight zone quite a bit do you remember that episode where Burgess Meredith was on trial in a futuristic totalitarian state? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what he was on trial for? No. No. No, that sucks. I'm, I'm working on it, though. Mm. Well, there's no hurry. Take your time. Uh, all right, I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. Okay, Kells, what did you get? Okay, um, I wrote down doctor. Okay. Devo? Librarian. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about you, Kells, when I wrote this question. <laughs> the correct answer is librarian. Mm. Because in this uh, futuristic totalitarian state, they had outlawed books. And his sentence was execution. So, Devo, what are our scores going yes. into the final question? Well, the, uh, the obsolete jobs helped me. It is 111 for Kelvin. And 106 for David. Wow, that's quite a comeback, David. Yeah. Okay, well... I, well, don't call it a comeback, Neil. He's been here for I years. He's been here for years. <laughs> that's another music thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's about ladies love cool James. Oh. Heck yeah, they do. <laughs> All right. Well, I need you guys to make some wagers on okay. the final category, which is... Dangerous jobs. I have made my wager. As have I. Okay. So I have in my hands right here a list of the top 10 deadliest jobs in the U.S. by deaths per 100,000 workers. I need you to name 10 of them. If you get at least five of them correct, you'll get your points. I've got my ten. Now they're fairly general-ish. So we'll see what you adjudicate. Okay. Okay. I am locked in. Okay, everybody's locked in. Dave, why don't you run through your answers real quick and then Kels can run through his and then I'll give you the Top 10. Okay. I put down a fireman, firefighter, a police officer, EMT, 
a race car driver, a pilot, a miner, a truck driver, construction worker, machinist, and work with heavy machinery. And for my last one, I went with window washer because, you know, hanging on a board on the side of a skyscraper doesn't look safe. <laughs> it does not. It does not. Kels, what do you have? Uh, a fairly similar list. I went with a police officer, a fireman, a truck driver, a soldier, a lumberjack, a oh, pilot, a cab driver. Uh, garbage worker, sanitation worker, uh, construction worker, and someone who works on an oil rig. Those are pretty good answers. Here are the, here's the official list starting at number 10. I don't think either one of you got grounds maintenance workers. No. They no. had uh, 17 deaths per 100,000 workers. I've don't remember what year this is, but it was fairly recent, last the last five or six years. So the the number nine is is kind of interesting. It, the, the occupation is listed as first line supervisors of construction trades and extraction workers. So I mean, I think they're talking about first line supervisors of construction and miners. Mm -hmm. You had. Devo, I know you had both construction and miners. Kells, did you have those two as well? I just had a construction worker. So I'm not sure how to do that one because it's not construction in general. I'm not really sure what a first-line supervisor is. Probably the guy who is out there swinging the hammer with the rest of the guys. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So I'll give you construction for that one. Okay. I'll definitely take it. And I'm kind of, I'm not sure about, because it's kind of, it's lumping construction and mining together. Well, maybe extraction is a demo people. I like go into the building and demo it out and take all the stuff away and then you can build. Uh, that could be. Wow. Okay. Anyway, number eight is farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural managers. Mm. I think either one of you well, know. I've forgot about angry cows yeah <laughs> never forget about the angry cows never ever seven is truck and sales drivers Ooh. i think david got that one i don't know if see i don't know if taxi driver counts as a sales driver but i think taxi's probably too specific okay. for this list uh number six iron and steel workers but that wouldn't be a machinist, I would imagine. No. Number five, I think Kel's got this one, trash and recycling collectors. Oh, really? Yeah, 34 it's, deaths per 100,000 workers. It's, it's, it's got to be dangerous hanging off the back of that truck. Oh, totally. Yeah. But it just didn't occur to me. I don't know why. Uh, number four is roofers, specifically roofers. Oh, come on. I should have remembered roofers. 48.6 out of 100,000. And remember, these are only deaths, fatal injuries, not uh, not just regular non-fatal injuries. Mm. Uh, number three, 
I think you both got uh, pilots. Yeah. Specifically aircraft pilots and flight engineers. 55 per 100,000. I'm really surprised neither one of you got number two fishers and related fishing workers. Remember the, what was it, danger, the most dangerous catch or something like that? Yeah. Lobstermen uh, and crabmen and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's 86 out of 100,000 workers. Holy moly. And ranked number one as the most deadly job in the United States. 135 out of 100,000 workers die from logging. And Kel's yeah. got logging, right? Yeah, he said lumberjack. Lumberjacks. So what were your totals? I got five. Got three. Kells. Oh. I think we need to go through the scores, but we might as well. We want to see how badly Davo got beaten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, well, I wagered sixteen, so I ended up with a respectable ninety. Nice. Now I feel Kells. embarrassed about my my wager because. I was I was pretty sure he was gonna try to double his score, so I went the petty route. I wagered one hundred two, which brings you up to two thirteen. I believe two thirteen. Nice, congratulations, Kels. Thank you, Neil. Great game. Dave. I mean, that wasn't as high as my score a couple of games ago, but that's I mean, it's still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good score. Good game, Kells. <laughs> Same to you, Dave. Thank you, Neil, for some outstanding questions. I always love when you read your questions. You have a good knack for these. Yeah. I always like the um, backstory. Oh, yeah. He is a wealth of trivia nuggets, a master of minutia, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I'd appreciate it if, if any of our listeners, uh, if they are tired of my tiresome long questions with all the background and stuff, or if, if, you, if you like them, I'd like to to know if I'm going the right route or if I should back off a little bit. Well, how can those listeners get a hold of us there, Neil? Well, they could go to our Twitter at Brain Ladle, right? Oh, I don't oh, think that's no, right. No, I don't no, think no, that's no, right. right. Yeah, it's, that's right. It's, I, it's, uh, it's backwards. It's like the military. It's like last name first. Right, right. So it's at Ladle Brain. <laughs> yeah. Or Ladle Brain. you could email me directly at Neil, that's N-E-I-L, at brainladle.com and you can email Kells at Kells at brainladle.com that's K-E-L-S and Davo is D-A-V-O at brainladle.com I also have a Facebook page we have a Facebook page which is called what? we have a YouTube channel we love subscribers and comments on that as well we have all the social medias so come and check us out. Um, we are on iTunes. And important thing about iTunes is they really like interactivity with the listeners and they want reviews. You know, rank us, give us a rating, and review us because they're very helpful and they really, you know, they feel good to us. They, uh, we like them. Have, and have we had any if reviews? You guys don't mind. We do. We've had a review or two. Uh, this one I'd like to read out is a special. It came in on August 4th. Uh, from Allison and Major. Uh, they gave us a good rating. Five stars. Oh. Says this is, yeah, this is great quality and filled with trivia. 
many of the other trivia podcasts go off on large tangents, but these fellas stick to what we came for, trivia. That's what it's all about. So, I, <laughs> yeah, she's a fan of the brevity, and I like that. Yeah. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Major. Thank you very much. You gotta give them what they want, well, Baba. Uh, yeah, we want. <laughs> <laughs> So the reviews are great and the are, are, are absolutely wonderful and the uh, the ratings are great. We're also on Spotify and we are also on uh, Google Play and we should, we're aggregating out to all the other little like Podcast Republic and other th- places like that. Uh, but we also have a Patreon and if you would like to donate we, to our Patreon, it really goes a long way to helping us make this show better create more content should you want to hear us in different contexts and it's a great way to interact with us as a as a company brain ladle productions and as a as a team because we we consider all of you wonderful listeners part of our team and we want as much of your input as we can get to make our show a nice little trivia community that can branch out into other things like you do with all your friends because this is what we are Neil and Kels and I are really good friends, and this is what we would do even if we didn't have these mics and headphones on. We would just do this. We like to hang out and do this sort of thing. So thank you for listening to us do what we would do anyway. But every donation, any donation, is wonderful and helpful. And if you want to support us just by listening, that means a ton anyway. Yeah. Correct? Very. Absolutely. Also, if you're, if you're playing along at home, no, no, hit us up with an email. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah, because our record score is set by Neil, which was over 300 points, if I remember correctly. I don't quite remember the exact total. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot to a little, basically. So if you guys can top that score, send it in. We want to know. So from all of us here at Brain Ladle, this is Davo with Neil. Good evening. And Kels. You stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) See you guys next time. The preceding podcast was presented by Brain Ladle Productions, all rights reserved.